All right, folks, Kyron Williams is back and he saved my ass in week 12. We're going to recap our GPP teams, our underdog drafts, our pick em entries, and of course, a little stroll through the BBM for portfolio. I'm Peter Overzet, and this is the portfolio review. Let's do it. I suffer from a debilitating condition known as atropic shockitis. Peter's one of the greatest depositors I've ever seen. Trust the process. Let's go. I got auto match with Levitan. This is bullshit. If I just go the other way in that 66, I win all the money. All the money. If I had 150 lineups, I'd win too. Process over results. Illuminati make a bitch go crazy. I don't know which one of these my baby. Bust out AP, cold spot, bullets in your head like KD. Bust it, bust it, bitch go bust it. And I had 10 pints with me in Russia. Hey everyone. Hey, everyone. Indeed, Brady says, GM, most profitable week of the year because I didn't play. Uh, man, sometimes like just taking a week off. Obviously, I'm not taking a week off. I'm, I'm making content. I want to have stuff to talk about, yada, yada. But man, if you're going through a slump and being willing to take a, a week off or maybe you're traveling or have something going on, I think that shows such, um, I don't know, <laughs> mental fortitude to be like, you know what? I can take a slate off and life will continue. I It will be there for me next week. So uh, good on you, Brady, for whatever caused you to take this slate off. Sean also enjoyed the Kyron and Josh Allen day. Ooh, our guy GL in the chat here. First Deposit Kingdom win. We will recap that Deposit Kingdom DraftKings contest in a little bit. Uh, shout out to Copper Prices, uh, who was in those dog bowl streets yesterday. But uh, I believe I saw on Twitter Salvage's day with a monster pick'em entry. So uh, congratulations to Copper. Rod Stone excited about Calvin Ridley alive and well. Yeah, as Hayden Wink said on uh, Twitter, Zay Jones must have given just a rousing halftime speech, letting Calvin know, hey, Calvin, I'm on the field today. You can actually do good. And then he exploded in the second half. So shout out to Calvin Ridley. Um, let's see, Justin here already wanting to get in the weeds here. Any takes on why ownership was so off this week, basically industry wide. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, now that you say it too, kind of thinking back through some of the stuff, um, and I pulled it up. So every, uh, Sunday morning I do the GPP cram for YouTube members and I pull up, you know, ETRs projections, which I, I think are the best in the biz for DFS. And I like to play kind of like a higher, lower game with those. So I'm going to take the higher or lower on that. And, you know, seeing uh, Jalen Hurts projected for more ownership than Josh Allen. And then I asked the chat, who are your guys' favorite quarterbacks today? And like 90% of the chat says Josh Allen. And I'm like, Josh Allen is going to be higher owned than uh, than Jalen Hurts. Or you go and you look at the Stefan Diggs ownership and he's projecting for 8%. And then on top of that, you are like, wait, if Josh Allen is going to be the most popular quarterback, isn't Stefan Diggs going to come on for the ride? And then he does. And I think one of the things to remember about ownership projections, right, is the first batch of them and the majority of them are based off of the algorithm. So they are spitting out thousands of optimals and then seeing what are the plays that repeatedly come up. And these are obviously biased towards the best points per dollar plays etc. And then that is where the first batch of ownership projections come out. And then it is up to the providers to figure out how much do they want to finesse and massage those ownership. Because basically the ownership projections are almost like the idealized version of like what efficient ownership should be on the slate. Like the math is saying they should be owned at this clip. And then obviously every site has their own projections, which are going to impact 
which guys are popping more and optimal. So everyone's going to have slightly different, you know, ownership projections reflecting their own actual fantasy point projections. But I think last week is an interesting example of where does more finesse need to happen? The reason I think these content providers are hesitant to do it, and I get it, is when you're finessing it, you're often IKBing it. And you're trying to say, well, man, everyone on these shows this week is talking about Josh Allen. I should probably boost him. And then you're having to figure out, well, then who am I pulling ownership away from, right? Because then if you're boosting Josh Allen, that's coming away from someone else. Are people not playing Trevor Lawrence at this rate? So I do think it's a very tricky thing. It's a, it's a moving goalpost. And ultimately, I think the best way to handle this stuff is, one, use ownership projections that you trust. I, I trust ETRs a lot. And then we can make our own manual adjustments off of those, like our IKBs. And I will tell you, uh, again, as another plug for the Sunday morning cram, because we have a ton of sharp GPP players in here, when I poll the audience, it has been very, very directionally accurate on where ownership is actually going. Um, it was a couple of weeks ago when Gino was playing the commanders. No one in the chat said they were playing Gino. And I knew Gino was going to come in much lower than his algo driven ownership projection were to indicate. So I would say um, using your own kind of finesse to IKB some of those is really helpful. I know Blender does this a lot. He consumes a ton of content and then he'll go look at ownership projections and say, there's no way this guy's coming in at this amount. So I think that's kind of the note. Use the baseline ownership projections from a provider you trust and then be willing to kind of IKB off of that and say, no, 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 I, I've listened to enough shows this week. I know Josh Allen is going to be more popular than this. So it's uh, it's tough, but it is a very difficult moving target. And it's hard to know the various pockets of the internet and DFS Twitter that are ultimately going to push these things away from the algo-driven ownership. So that was a very long-winded rant on ownership projections to get us kicked off. That's how you alienate a new audience. <laughs> it's like, I thought you were going to just talk about how Kyron Williams score lots of points and go burr, and instead we're in the weeds on ownership. Let's um let's get ourselves grounded here. Let's pour some coffee. Let's get the ducks fed, and uh, and then we can start reviewing some lineups. All right, there's the ducks. Ducks are good. Time for coffee. There we go. Mm. <laughs> yeah, Deposit Kingdom had Allen at 40%. Yeah, that is uh, weekly. One of my favorite things to do is see the ownership uh, being different uh, across all of these contests. Mm. <laughs> we, we suck at DFS, Pete. Man, are we down in our feels uh, today? Uh, I will say too, and I'll talk about it when we when we get to the dog bowl stuff. I did see lots of, I know there was a lot of tilt, a lot of, I don't know, mental anguish just with the last week of trying to qualify for that dog bowl, very top heavy contest. And, you know, I think it is a good reminder to to ourselves. The majority of these contests we're playing are very large. They're very top heavy. Some even more top heavy than others, like a qualifier, where only three out of 5,000 plus entries are going to win. And we do really have to protect ourselves mentally from, you know, being, you know, beating ourselves up over not succeeding 
when what you're aiming for is this like 0.01 percentile outcome. So uh, just a reminder to all of us, like, you know, don't beat yourself up so much. DFS is hard. These tournaments are hard. The field is sharp. The contests are structured in a way where only a handful of people are going to walk away truly happy. And then even the weeks when you smash, like when I had my two top 10 teams in Battle Royale, I was fucking sick to my stomach that week because I watched first slip out of my hands. So even when you do realize one of those outcomes that you dream about, our fucking lizard brains still make it to where we beat ourselves up or we're not satisfied. So like if we can self-analyze and self-actualize in a way where we realize this dynamic will forever exist, I think it will help us cope better, handle the Sunday scaries. These are the Sunday scaries I get every week when you realize your teams aren't gonna win a tournament and that, you know, mild wave of depression sets in like another week getting dusted on the site. So I don't know. I just want to continue to talk about that stuff because I know a lot of people uh, go through it on a regular basis, myself included. And we do have to be vigilant and make sure that we are remembering this is a hobby. It's supposed to be fun. Let's have realistic expectations. Let not, let's not let this ruin uh, our mood. Uh, it was yesterday uh i think i had unplugged a little bit in the afternoon games and uh i was out playing with april and i watched april have her first steps she took four clean steps and it was just such uh this incredible palate cleanser to kind of a up and down day of dfs to unplug for a little bit and uh and watch april take her first steps and you know uh, it, uh, it made my day and it was impossible to be down on my, my Derek card triple stack that we're about to review, uh, after watching this godforsaken team stall out in the red zone 19 times. Uh, you know what? I couldn't be mad. So, uh, there's my sappy, uh, emotional moment of today. Let's now get to Derek Carr. Uh, so I mentioned this, uh, on the cram that I was going to roll out a Derek Carr stack. It was met to a lot of chagrin. I get it. It was gross. Derek Carr here comes in at 1.1%. This is in the big K, the 400K spy. I triple stacked him. Chris Olave, 4.4%. Rashid Shahid, 13.4%. Juwan Johnson, 1.1%. Obviously, this block of players was incredibly cheap. You know, when you factor in Shahid and Juwan Johnson. And then I said to myself, I am just going to play the best plays around this. I feel like I was leveraged enough with a Derek Carr triple stack. So I played Jonathan Taylor. I played Derek Henry. I played Tank Dell. I played Kyron Williams. And then I played the Titans uh, defense. And I mentioned this on the cram that I thought correlating Derrick Henry with Titans defense was a really good way to kind of soften the blow of what I knew was Derrick Henry's steam. He was another guy who was projecting for what, 16, 17% ownership in small field. He comes in over double that in the spy. The big dog narrative got a chug in late uh, on uh, Saturday and Sunday. Everyone was on him. Still thought he was a good play, but I said, you know, what are the ways that I can maybe make this combo a little more unique. It is correlating him with the Titans defense, where I do really think that correlation is pretty strong. In the games where Derrick Henry's getting a lot of carries, it's because the Titans are winning. It didn't quite play out um, exactly like that, but Tennessee Titans defense at 6%, giving me 10 points. I feel good about that. Um, Jonathan Taylor came in much lower. It was kind of reverse. Like this Taylor and Henry ownership, Jonathan Taylor at 17.6%. I thought he was going to be 35 and Derrick Henry was going to be 17, or at least initially in the week. Um, these guys end up coming in completely flipped. I think JT, if you would have told anyone JT's coming in sub 20%, 
I mean, he would have been almost a near lock button play. Um, so feel really good about that. And then Kyron was a guy that I just, you know, I talked to Coach Speak Index, Greg, uh, on DFS After Dark on Saturday. We were talking about the McVeigh pressers going in on Kyron Williams' workload. And I felt really good about him being close to that 90, 95% snap share that he had before he had his stint on IR. Um, you know, I was hoping for 20 points from Kyron Williams at 6,600. Um, he ends up dropping 40 points here. Just a massive workload. Has those two receiving TDs, uh, six receptions. Um, also hits the 100-yard bonus there. So that worked out. Um, Tank Dell, um, I knew he would be popular. But again, once I had this super leveraged uh, triple stack that I knew no one was going to be on, uh, I knew I could kind of run a bunch of chalk around it. Um, the, the Derek Carr stuff was so tilting. It was the it was the most I tilted yesterday because they got into the red zone at will. They were driving the ball down the field. Olave was looking awesome. Um even Jawan Johnson was getting involved and it's like if they just convert two of these red zone trips, like just give me two of them. Can you give me two touchdowns? Like this team is probably finishing in the top 50 of this contest if I get, you know, two touchdowns from Derek Carr when they're in the red zone and instead Blake Groupie kicks five field goals. The other thing that was tilting is all three of these wide receivers exited the game at some point. Chris Olave got banged up. He ended up coming back in. Rashid Shaheed got banged up. He was in the medical tent. Juwan Johnson got banged up. He was in the medical tent. So it was just like, that was the closest I got to uh, tilting my face off yesterday. It was just like, I have this triple stack. It seems like the thesis of it was hitting. The Saints passing game was cruising Derek Carr 304 passing yards and one of the most disappointing games you will see uh and they just cannot convert in the red zone so um this team does finish with 157.96 points I get the uh the classic 1.5x min cash come on DraftKings you can't even give me a 2x min cash um it finishes in 889th out of 4,444 teams Overall, though, I feel good about this lineup. Um, kind of your classic vomit stack, correlating some of these super cheap pieces, Shahid, Juwan Johnson, and then just getting in the best plays around it. Let's check a take a quick look at the team that uh that won first place here. Uh Rue Hockey. Um, this was uh an interesting team because you know, you saw in the Millie Maker. The teams that uh, that took it down, I believe it was a naked Josh Allen team, was it? Um, it was something like that in one of the Millie Makers. This one here uh, was a Josh Allen, Gabe Davis, Khalil Shakur, uh, double stack, uh, play Kyron, play Derrick Henry. You do get the Devontae Smith bring back. Uh, Tank Dell, Pat Fryermuth, Chiefs defense. I mean, this is a pretty classic lineup. These are one of those lineups you look at and you're like, I don't know, I could have done that. Feels good. Um, double stack, bring back play the best plays around it and then punt it off at tight end. You know, this is what I was trying to do with Jawan Johnson with Pat Fryermuth down here. Uh, Fryermuth was a tough one for me. He was coming off of his first game back where he only had like a 45% snap share. It seemed uh, a teeny bit thin. And yet you couple that with the ownership, the price tag, new offensive coordinator um, certainly makes me wish I had gotten on Pat Fryermuth a little bit more on DraftKings here. An awesome play. He ends up leading, I believe, all pass catchers in receiving yards yesterday. Hmm. Smohawks. Well, Smohawks, I will say, uh, 
and look, we we all take plenty of L's around here, but I, I try. I kind of softly tried to talk you off of your Bryce Young uh, stack yesterday on the cram, but you were pretty headstrong on rolling out the Bryce Young uh, stack there. But um, you know, it is it is what it is. It happens. Um, let's take a look at my other lineup uh, that I rolled out. I put this one in the slightly smaller spy because it was even more chalky. Um, I definitely had some chalkitis on this lineup. This lineup was kind of like just getting in all of my favorite plays. Um, and I rolled out a Josh Allen uh, triple stack. Josh Allen, Khalil Shakur, uh, Dalton Kincaid, and Stefan Diggs. Nothing about this was sneaky. Josh Allen, 23.7%. Khalil Shakur, 20%. Uh, Dalton Kincaid, 19.2%. Stefan Diggs, 22.9%. Um, I played Derrick Henry and Justin Watson. Derrick Henry comes in at 31.9%. Justin Watson at 21.8%. I played Josh Downs as a one-off here. Um, this was probably a bad play. Um, I was very into Josh Downs. I drafted him a ton on underdog throughout the week. I love this spot for him. Um, playing a chalky one-off Josh Downs, probably not great. Probably a play I would like back, but I stubbornly said, uh, I love this guy. I love this spot for him. And again, you want th my other like tilting thing from yesterday, and we'll show up, uh, show a pick em entry that we built on the cram was Josh Downs. I think he had the same amount of targets as Michael Pittman, had like 13 targets. I swear every time I pulled up that game, it was like a ball like narrowly slipping out of Josh Downs' hand or him falling down at the one. It felt like he should have been so close to a massive day. Um, and then Justin Watson was just the piece I needed to make this entire lineup fit. I wanted to have Derrick Henry correlated with the Titans defense. I wanted to play Josh Downs. Uh, I literally had $3,000 left in this lineup. And I said, you know what? Justin Watson is fine um, coming off an 11 target game here. Um, but yeah, I'm not too proud of this lineup. I feel like chalky one-off Justin Watson, chalky one-off Josh Downs um, just isn't great play by me. Um, and so this was one of those. Um, and there's, and if you want like an interesting difference between these two lineups, I had built this lineup, I believe on Saturday evening and I fell in love with it, right? All the pieces come together, has the plays I like. And then even though I knew there was steam coming on Josh Downs, uh, steam coming on Justin Watson, I stubbornly stayed on it. This team does end up cashing uh, another 1.5X min cashiers just because Josh Allen ended up being the highest quarterback on the slate. But this Derek Carr lineup, that I played here, I built this one on Sunday morning, a little less anchored to um, some of my initial thoughts. So kind of upset with my play on this one. I think the triple stack in the onslaught in a contest this size is, is probably solid, but I don't like that I didn't really pull any uniqueness levers here. And uh, yeah, I think I played bad on this one. I'm gonna take the L on this lineup despite it getting the cash. Let's see what won this spy here. SJM Fire also had the Josh Allen, but to Gabe Davis and Khalil Shakur. Obviously, to win tournaments with Josh Allen yesterday, you really needed the Gabe Davis, the Devontae Smith bring back. Um, Rashi Rice, man. Rashi Rice, in hindsight, is such a sick pivot, right? Because you have Justin Watson, who's going to come in at 20%. 
Um, Rashi Rice, admittedly, 2,500 more. But at 3.6%, that's such a sick pivot off of the Justin Watson chalk. So kudos to anyone who got on Rashi Rice. Did not project as a good points per dollar play. And this is what I struggled with and ended up being my downfall in the dog bowl as well. Like, I had a really hard time clicking Gabe Davis when Khalil Shakur was going later had a really hard time clicking Rashi Rice when Justin Watson was going later, and neither of those were being drafted in those contests a ton. Um, but yeah, I got absolutely buried by the uh, the sexier, funner picks absolutely smashing here in uh, Week 12. So kudos to everyone who got on those plays. Trey McBride, man. Shout out to Trey McBride. You know, he's like the anti-Evan Ingram, you know, where like even when he's mega chalk, like he still finds a way not to bury you. Like seven for 60 is close to a floor game for Trey McBride right now. Gives you 13 points. Obviously, um, there's lots of like builds and stuff where he doesn't get there. But even on a team like this where the chalk tight end doesn't hit in, in massive fashion, you can still win a tournament. Mm. Yeah, Tukon says the Mayor Rice mini was super sharp. I thought, yeah. Uh, what did Mayor finish with? How many, how many fantasy points did uh did uh because he seemed like he was getting some burn. Austin Hooper was still getting some burn too. What did he do? Uh Michael Mayer, two for 27. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I do really think Michael Mayer could be kind of breaking out right now, except they just continue to do this Austin Hooper shit. Um, let's review, uh, let's review the deposit kingdom. So we had, uh, GL, uh, or GG, GJ, GJL Reed, who was in the chat earlier, took down first place in the deposit kingdom weekly league, had a Josh Allen onslaught with Steph Diggs, Gabe Davis, Khalil Shakur. So the same triple stack I had, except playing Gabe Davis instead of Dalton Kincaid, very sharp. Um, had two of the nut running backs there and Kyron Williams and Derrick Henry played double tight end. And man, this is how you do double tight end. Um, you do uh, one super cheap guy and then the one, you know, best play on the slate at the position, Trey McBride. You get the uh, 24 points from Pat Fryermuth at 6.2%. You play Giants defense. I loved the Giants defense play. We talked about that on the cram with the Patriots being overwhelmingly popular, just switching that, paying up a little bit more for Giants defense um, at 0.5%, getting 12 points here. Just a super, super sharp lineup. I mean, this is the kind of stuff you can do in contest sizes this big, only 420 entries. You roll out the triple stack. Um, the, the, uh, the projected points, um, like if you're running optimals, and this has been true for a couple of weeks now, you are getting a ton of two tight end builds, just a ton of them because these like high 4K and low 5K tight ends, the Dalton Schultz, the Trey McBrides, yes, even the Evan Ingrams, the Dalton Kincaids, they have been projecting better than the wide receivers in the similar range. And so this is just one of those lineups that looks very smartly constructed to me. Nothing too fancy here. Um, just a couple uniqueness lovers. Pat Fryermuth at 6.2%, Giants defense at 0.5%. Uh, the only plays in this contest under uh under what 18% ownership? Yeah, the only two plays under 18%. Um, but just a very smartly constructed lineup. And again, you don't have to do crazy shit to win a tournament of 420 entries. So uh very nice lineup there by GL. Uh, why do I keep saying that wrong? GJ. Why is that so hard for me? GJL read. Mm. 
Um, all right. Let's see here. Uh, Will Cut came in second place. I will also say, and, and we'll see this when we go through the Dog Bowl, this was a week where you could have won um, with a lot of different quarterbacks. Like, you needed the Kyron Williams, obviously, um, but you could win with Trevor Lawrence stacks. You could win with C.J. Stroud stacks. You could win um, with Allen, with Hurts. You know, there were lots of different ways you could win on this slate. This lineup here, Trevor Lawrence to Christian Kirk, didn't even have Calvin Ridley, who is the highest-scoring Jags um, player. Bring it back with Nico Collins, who ended up being a super sharp pivot off of Tank Dell. Um, Tank Dell, obviously a nice play, but you get a price discount, ownership discount, and he ends up outscoring Tank Dell, which was nice leverage there. Play a Rashad White, Michael Pittman Jr. Mini correlation here. Pittman, obviously a target monster there, gets the 100-yard bonus and 10 receptions. Rashad White, I thought, was a really nice play. Um, you know, I think if he didn't have that weird Q tag stuff pop up, uh, late Saturday night, he would have been closer to 30, 35% range. Um, so got a bit of an ownership discount on him once the team kind of cleared it up and said that was all precautionary. So I like that. We have another Pat Fryermuth uh, team here. And then Isaiah Pacheco, who is another one of those just, uh, running back plays that projected well. Um, I thought there was even kind of a higher floor for Pacheco this week once Jarek McKinnon was ruled out. Just a little less tomfoolery likely to occur near the goal line without McKinnon there. And then playing Rams defense, this was kind of a ballsy one uh, to me, but if you were going cheap at running or at defense this week, I kind of, I didn't really give the Rams much thought. I kind of highlighted the Texans versus the Jags. Obviously, you're not going to do that when you're playing Trevor Lawrence, but, you know, going cheap at defense this week, um, at 6%, getting five there doesn't kill you. Pretty nice lineup here. I think, you know, in general, in this size contest, I really have been coming um, coming around to kind of the onslaughts. I would have made, wanted to probably put in an Evan Ingram or a Calvin Ridley with this Trevor Lawrence stack. Um, but then I don't know what you're, you're sacrificing otherwise. Probably playing that, you're probably playing Ridley instead of Pacheco. It would have worked out. It worked out either way, but that's my only thing. I don't know in this size contest with um, generally a pocket passer like Trevor Lawrence, the skinny stack, he ends up getting that rushing touchdown too, which really kind of boosts and makes it viable as a skinny stack. But that's kind of my only note there. Um, you just had to get a few things uh, extra right. Whereas I think if you just lean in to that, um, the Trevor Lawrence smashes and double triple it, um, you might like where you end up as well. Let's see what SM Pearman did here. Another Josh Allen team. Uh, we have Josh Allen to Diggs, uh, skinny stack here. Uh, no, sorry, to Gabe Davis. So you get that classic double stack. Kyron, Jalen Warren, who is getting very steamy, felt the steam coming on Jalen Warren, 35% uh, in the Deposit Kingdom contest. He gets a little cucked by uh, Najee yesterday, but doesn't kill you with 8.2 points. Also just correlated him with Fryermuth, um, which was really nice there. I know one of JM's building blocks that he liked was the Jalen Warren, George Pickens. Uh, it ended up just being uh, you needed the uh, the Najee, Pat Fryermuth would have been the nutted uh, Steelers combo there. This lineup has Greg Dortch, who is a trendy punt play. He comes in very similar ownership to Justin Watson. Ends up outscoring Justin Watson, though, at $300 more. So that's a nice play there. Nico Collins as well. Although SM Pearman, I hate to say it, but you do have to give your money back because you played an early guy in the flex. You got to slide Steph Diggs to the flex. 
You put Nico Collins up here, and that's how you let everyone know that you know ball, you know DFS, you have the Sims in your head, and you know who plays at 1 p.m. and who plays at 4 p.m. Robert Smith, can you take a peek at 30th? Double Hurts with Swift. Yeah, I haven't seen too many Jalen Hurts lineups as I've tabbed through things uh, the past 12 hours or so. Let's see what we have here. Uh, Jalen Hurts with uh, DeAndre Swift and Devontae Smith. Um, I don't mind that in this size contest at all. I think if you're playing like the Millie Maker stuff, just because DeAndre Swift hasn't had an outsized pass catching role i'm probably not trying to win like a tournament with hundreds of thousands of people with a hurt swift devonta smith but in a small contest like this where you're just saying hey the eagles score a shit ton of points and i want to try to capture as many of those as i can uh, i think that's perfectly viable you bring it back with khalil shakur here um yeah i mean it's basically just you needed gabe davis instead of shakur i definitely made that mistake yesterday you do play Kyron Williams, Smash. Um, you played one of my other favorite guys, Josh Downs, rest in peace, Tank Dell, um, and then Pat Fryermuth. So yeah, Pat Fryermuth really kind of the saving grace here. Um, this is a nice lineup. It's it's probably one of those frustrating lineups where you do feel like you're getting things right. It's like, holy cow, I get Hertz going for 36. I get Kyron Williams going for 41. I get a 6% owned tight end going for 24. Um, how am I not winning tournaments? Um, but you see here the Shakir, the Josh Downs, the Tank Dell. It's like those slight pivots, right? You have Nico Collins instead of Tank Dell. You have Gabe Davis instead of Khalil Shakur. You have Michael Pittman instead of Josh Downs. So you can pat yourself on the back, uh, Robert, for being directionally accurate with your takes yesterday. Brian says, I play early guys in the flex all the time because I pretty much never have time to late swap. I don't know if I'm buying this thought process. Uh, that implies that sometimes you do have time to late swap but then you would have boxed yourself out of being able to do it. It is one of those things. It, it obviously probably what if you play out a hundred slates and you're actually like really on top of your shit, maybe you're ultimately late swapping and using the flex optionality of a running back wide receiver pivot, maybe what like five times out of a hundred. Um, so we are talking at like razor thin margins, but it is just like a really simple thing you can do uh and be thoughtful about that when that situation does arise you'll you'll really be thankful for it and again it's just a way it's like putting a lower in your pick'em entry right it's how you signal you know dfs because when you when we just post the five hires then everyone knows you're just a fish just smashing the buttons rooting for the things you want to happen not baking in injury risk and all the other ways games fail so i'm just telling you for your own sake for your own clout for how your peers respect you, you got to start putting the late guy in the flex. Mike Leone used to not even talk to me. He didn't consider me a friend um, because I used to kind of play some of my early guys in the flex. And then I switched it and he started talking to me. He, he saw me in an entirely different light. So I'm just telling you, um, if you want to learn how to uh, kick ass and make friends in life, put your late guys in the flex. Um, all right. I think that's pretty good on the DraftKings stuff. Thank you guys all, as always, for uh, filling up this tournament. I know we had an abbreviated week with Thanksgiving. Had to do a little secondary push in the Deposit Kingdom to get that filled. Um, as always, this link, if you guys want to join, if you want to have me ridicule your decision 
to put a player that played early in the flex, you can join the Deposit Kingdom. I post these links in the announcement section every Tuesday, generally. So we'll get the week 13 one up there tomorrow and you too can compete for $500 and all of the associated clout that comes with taking down the tournament. Let's move over to Underdog, where I got dusted this week, um, partly because of my contest selection. It was the last week for the Dog Bowl qualifier. That is the Underdog Live Final that's taking place in Miami in a couple of weeks. I uh, said I wanted to get 40 entries in there. I devoted all of my focus to the Dog Bowl and the 12-person drafts this week, and I got dusted, um, very dusted here. They did have the promo where for if you did 10 entries, any that finished in the top 2,000, you got their money back. And I am scared to look how many of my 40 I got back because I do not think it is a lot. I'm going to count them right now for my own curiosity. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. 12. Um, that is very bad because I believe 38% of the contest, if you just drafted at expectation, uh, would get their their entries back, and I got 30%. So I had a rough week, um, and I know why I had a rough week. Uh, I was heavy on Josh Allen, had a ton of Josh Allen, but I was passing on uh, Gabe Davis like 90% of the time. Um, I thought Khalil Shakur was a much better pick in this contest because Gabe Davis was getting drafted in 100% of these. Khalil Shakur was getting drafted, and I would say, 50%, probably sub 50%. Um, that take absolutely backfired. Khalil Shakur does nothing. Gabe Davis ends up being a key piece. My other bad take uh, that really sunk me is in the second round, I kept trying to get cute with the Kyron Williams. I really liked Kyron Williams. I played him in all my DFS lineups, but I kept trying to see if I could get him cheaper in the dog bowl. And I continually passed on him in the second round, just seeing like, could I get him to wrap around to the early third? Cause his ADP was still kind of anchored to early week stuff. And I just pushed it too much. I kept taking Puka ahead of him. I mean, I had some good picks in there. I was taking a lot of Pittman, a lot of Mike Evans, but man, you needed Kyron Williams there. And I just played it too cute with him. I wish I would have been a little bit more aggressive um, getting Kyron. And then what was my other, you know, big stand? Um, I just had a ton of Josh Downs, had a ton of Minshew, ton of Josh Downs there. Um, so yeah, couldn't quite get there, but shout out to our three finalists here. Joka, uh, Deposit Kingdom member, gets his first ticket here with a really nice team. Uh, Josh Allen, Gabe Davis stack, uh, Derrick Henry, Kyron Williams, uh, Christian Kirk, and then Tyler Higby as uh, the tight end there. Uh, I thought Tyler Higby was a really good pick, was not getting drafted in many of these probably i don't know less than 20 percent of these tyler higby was getting drafted and what you saw here with how the adp lined up is you really to win in this contest this week you had to have set yourself up on a very specific path which was early round uh josh allen he takes him at pick four and then you come back to the two three turn and you grab two running backs, and it could have been, you know, Bijan. One of them had to be Chiron or Kyron. And you could see some Isaiah Pacheco in here, some Josh Jacobs. And this one grabs uh, Derrick Henry at pick 21, and then you get Kyron Williams at pick 28. Then you come back with your Josh Allen, and you get Gabe Davis in the uh, in the fourth round at pick 45. You then take Christian Kirk, who is a really nice value, in the fifth round at pick 52. And then you get uh, a tight end in the sixth round who is not being drafted in a lot of contests, Pat Fryermuth or Tyler Higby. That was kind of the path you needed to take here. 
Um, so congratulations to Joka. Also, congratulations to Crutches, uh, another badge bro, Deposit Kingdom member who got his second seat. Um, I know Crutches was very heavy in the dog bowl streets this week and also um, planted his flag early on Josh Allen. So nice to see that coming to fruition. And I'm even vaguely tilted to see Crutches was able to win with Josh Downs because I had heavy Josh Downs bags. He does the Josh Allen, Kyron Williams, Nico Collins at the 2-3 turn. Um, Nico had been kind of sliding mid to late third in these contests. He takes him at 25 here. Really nice pick. Uh, Kyron Williams at 24. You come back, you get Gabe Davis in the fifth like or in the fourth like we just talked about the it wasn't christian kirk for him he took josh downs in the fifth and then tyler higby so you can see how there was kind of a, a determined path here he took josh allen at number one in this uh in this contest too which kind of opened him up to some more unique combos i'm guessing this draft was earlier in the week i don't know if uh crutches is in the chat right now or not but seeing josh allen at 101 um, I'm guessing he might've done that earlier. Um, let's see. Joka said, uh, thanks for the shout out. Pete only took Higby because I drafted this early and figured cup would sit just ran hot on two D's from Higby. That's awesome. Yeah. And it, it's so funny when you think about the little things that end up being the difference. Like when I was thinking about, like I was doing these drafts, I think I can show you my exposures in the dog bowl this week. Um, I had a decent amount of Josh Allen. I think he was my second yeah my second highest quarterback and what happened with me is like every time i took josh allen and i was i wasn't reaching for him i was taking him at adp i was still taking aj brown and kelsey ahead of him and, and uh i think that was it actually but when i took josh allen i'm like sweating can i get dalton kincaid to come back can i get him to come back in the late second and what you really needed was someone to take an unstacked dalton kincaid ahead of you that's what you needed because Dalton Kincaid was a landmine. Dalton Kincaid prevented you from selecting a Derrick Henry, a Kyron Williams, a B. John Robinson, a Josh Jacobs, or whoever. And then also it funnels you to, okay, once Stefan Diggs and Dalton Kincaid are off the board and I select Josh Allen, I mean, I got to stack this guy with someone who's the next viable stacking partner. Well, it's Gabe Davis. And so you see how those little decision marks, even if it's not what you wanted, can put you into a better position. Um, I ended up having 15% uh, Dalton Kincaid. He was my most popular tight end. So again, the few tweaks, I, I, I had the Dalton Kincaid stack too many times. Uh, Dalton Kincaid, even though he had a fine game or whatever, ended up killing you because the opportunity cost of what you were passing on in the second round was too great. Um, yeah, let's see. What was my best team? Uh, I did have a Josh Allen. Yeah, I did have one double stack here. This might have been my only Gabe Davis share because I took a pretty big stand on uh, fading Gabe Davis. But I did get a Josh Allen, Gabe Davis, Khalil Shakur. Uh, did DeAndre Swift as a bring back. Isaiah Pacheco here. Pacheco would have been fine at the 2-3 turn as well, points-wise, but needed the DeAndre Swift pick to be Kyron Williams instead. And then uh, Juwan Johnson was one of my favorite tight ends. He was not getting drafted in these contests, and I thought it was a pretty big edge. Um, if I go back to my exposures here, I can kind of show you what I was trying to do at tight end. Dalton Kincaid, uh, Jonu, Kylan Granson, Juwan Johnson, Michael Mayer, I was kind of going polarized. And I mentioned this on off and on the clock on Friday where I was either trying to get one of those top tight ends, top five or six, or I was trying to avoid tight ends seven through 12. And that ended up not working out because uh, Pat Fryermuth ended up being one of the best picks. And I had a hard time clicking Fryermuth because he was going in basically 100% of drafts. And I didn't think his projection was that different. 
from the Tyler Higbees and the in the Janus and the Jawan Johnsons of the world, but it is what it is. Those are uh, the kind of stances I like to make in here. Um, you see my other exposure, too much Khalil Shakur, not enough Gabe Davis. I was very heavy on James Conner in the fifth. And again, what you needed structurally was you needed the running backs in the second and third round. You needed those guys. I was taking a lot of fourth, fifth round. James Conner um, did have a good amount of Henry and Pacheco, but just didn't have enough Kyron. Um, what did I end up with Kyron here? Yep, 5%. Only had him in two drafts. So that that's a huge mistake um, because I liked Kyron. Uh, played him in, in all of my DFS lineups. And yet, for some reason, kept trying to get a better discount on him in the dog bowl, which probably needed to do a better job of a portfolio check. You know, once I'm through 20, 30 teams and be like, weird, you say you like Kyron Williams, and yet you've only selected him twice. So um, that is frustrating. It's one thing when a guy you don't take beats you, like the Gabe Davids, it's like, that was an intentional stand. The Kyron Williams thing was just getting lazy with filling out my exposure. So regret that a good bit uh as well but congratulations uh i will be down in miami uh as a as a thought leader not not a, not as a participant so if you qualified for the uh the dog bowl i will see you down there in a couple of weeks um all right let's um yeah i ended up because this was the last week of the dog bowl because the royales were smaller this week um it, it ended up kind of breaking in a weird way where the first Royale filled so early and then the mini Royale finished too uh, and they spun up a second mini Royale. And so it was kind of a disjointed week for Battle Royales. I didn't focus on those uh, much at all. Just had 16 entries that I piled in on Sunday morning. I'm excited for the week 13 Battle Royale. That will be where most of my emphasis is this week. Um and so hopefully we get uh, back up to like a $30,000 top prize in Battle Royale. Um, I think this is a good question from Easy. Uh, I'm still not really good at BR, but how price sensitive should we be? I feel confident in best ball stands, but finding myself deferring in Battle Royale too much. Yeah, I think, you know, I, again, I've only been like really focused on Battle Royale for like literally like six or seven weeks. Um, I've had my one good week, but I would say a few of like the macro things that I've really just tried to focus on is I do want to make some stands. I do really want to be concentrated on a couple of things um, because otherwise you're just getting pulled in so many different directions. And then the second thing is to have a couple of those big stands be on guys who aren't getting drafted in 100% of contests. And I know I harp on this like over and over, but I still don't think people realize how dramatic the effect is. So like to, to do this for the dog bowl, right? And this is slightly different because those are 12 person contests. 72 players are being drafted. Think about it this from this thought experiment. Like if you pulled up the DraftKings ownership projections and you saw Pat Fryermuth was projecting for 100% ownership, and then you looked at Jawan Johnson and Tyler Higby, and they were projecting for 10%, 15%. In a million years, you would never click on Pat Frymuth. You're like, I cannot select Pat Frymuth. And I'm purposefully using an example of a guy who smashed because it makes it even you know more pronounced to try to wrap your head around this. But you would never play that guy. In the same thing in, in Battle Royale, like another example that didn't hit. Like if I showed you the slate, and I said in the Battle Royale, 
where 36 players are drafted. Chris Olave is taken in 100% of drafts. And I showed, I said on DraftKings, you can play Chris Olave at 100% exposure. The entire field is going to have him. Or you can play Rashid Shahid at 10%. You're almost always clicking Rashid Shahid. You would say to me, Pete, I'm a GPP bro. I'm not playing Chris Olave at 100%. 100% of the field is playing Chris Olave? No way. I'm playing Rashid Shahid. And you can get that dynamic every single week in Battle Royale. I think there's a massive, massive edge in these contests if you're willing to think through some of those things through that lens. And it's hard, right? It distorts your brain because you're like, hey, I want to play the guy who's projected better. But when you layer in the field exposure relative to the projection and the leverage you're getting off of some of those pivots, it's massive. And sometimes the players get steamed up so that dynamic is equal, right? So like an example of this from last week would be Tank Dell was going very high, right? He was a first round pick in almost all formats. Nico Collins ended up getting popular. Like Nico Collins was drafted in 100% of Battle Royales. So you're not getting a leverage on Tank Dell with, with, um, with Nico Collins. So when all things are being equal, if you then want to go get your Nico thing, and this is to your point, Easy, at that point, I don't think you have to be price sensitive because at that point, you're just chasing the raw points. You're saying, I love this spot for the Texans, and I think Tank Dell has the highest ceiling, and there's no place to run and hide for leverage. Dalton Schultz is getting drafted. You know, Nico Collins is getting drafted. So at that point, just go get your guy. But when you get one of those dynamics where one of the players is literally not getting drafted in the contest like Rashid Shahid, and you look at the profiles of Olave and Rashid Shahid, and I wrote about this in the Hidden Gems piece on Fantasy Life, I think you have to continue to hammer those edges um, in this contest. And that's why I think there's just so much more opportunity in these battle royales than there is in DFS because the market is so efficient with ownership there where it is not efficient in these battle royales. No matter how hard people try to scroll down, no matter how many times the bad pros say, scroll the F down, it is still so psychologically hard to do it because you're in that app and you're like, I don't know, man, Chris Olave looks pretty good to me here in the fifth round. Shouldn't I just take Chris Olave? Um, and so people are so anchored to that, that if you can push past some of those psychological barriers, I think you can really build uh, some monster teams. Uh no, Nolan. So you're you're thinking about this as drafted. I'm talking about it on field exposure. Chris Olave is drafted. Uh, it, the field is going to have 100% Chris Olave. Every first round pick, 100%. So you're competing against a share of Chris Olave. If you just think about it in the number of shares. So let's say the Battle Royale is 50,000 uh, entries, right? And so if we divide that by six, let's say that's 8,333 drafts, right? That means you're competing against 8,000 plus other shares of Chris Olave, 8,000 that you're going against. Now Rashid Shahid is selected in say 1% of those drafts. So now if you are doing that, you are competing against what? If we just do the 8,000 here, you're competing against 80 shares of Rashid Shahid. So do you see like how, how drastic this dynamic is? Where, what would you rather compete against? 8,000 Chris Olave teams or 80 Rashid Shahid teams? It's not even close. And, I, it, and to me, and this is why I've said it on off and on the clock, it almost makes some of those guys undraftable. Now, the way you could combat that, if you say, Pete, I hear you, I fucking love Chris Olave. He's going for 200 yards in this matchup. Well, you better be pulling another lever in your lineup. You don't want to have a lineup filled with 
you know, six guys who are taken in a hundred percent of drafts. So, um, that is my little, uh, BR thought of the day. Let's, uh, let's do a little bit of best ball stuff here. Oh, I wanted to check in on some pickums too. Um, all right. So had a couple really good pickum sweats again yesterday. One of them hit, one of them just narrowly missed. So every week, uh, on stream, we build a couple on off and on the clock. That's the Friday show I do with the Badge Bros. It's on the Badge Bros channel every Friday at 3 p.m. after the show with JM. We built this team here, which was a correlated game stack. We had Josh Allen, higher 259 and a half passing yards, hit. Uh, we had Gabe Davis, higher than 36 and a half receiving yards, hit. Khalil Shakur, higher than 29 and a half receiving yards, hit. DeAndre Swift, higher than 58 and a half rushing yards, hit. And then Stefan Diggs at six receptions um, got the push here. I did see some tweets that some people got the six and a half digs uh, there. That is uh, that is unfortunate. I don't know when that line moved, if that was um, immediately after we posted it or if it was, you know, later in the week when people uh, ended up clicking that link. Um, but it was it was a very tilting run out for that game, too, because you know, Diggs had a couple of drops. There was the play where Diggs subbed out and they throw a fucking shitty pass to Trent Sherfield. Um, clearly, I'm still not tilting about this. The way these pickums work is this should have been five picks uh, for a thousand. So it was a 20X on my buy-in. It drops down to a four leg because we pushed on the Stefan Diggs. And so that really kills it. Like half the profit, you go from a 20X to a 10X because Stefan Diggs couldn't get one more reception, but still um, better than nothing. And then we built one on the cram on uh, yesterday morning too. And this is the, the cram I do Sunday mornings, YouTube members. We've had a really nice run with these. We crowdsource these with the chat. I put in a few of my favorite things. I get a couple from the chat. The chat liked the Jalen Warren two and a half receptions. Um, I liked that. I wanted to do the Gardner Minshew, Josh Downs little stack here. Uh, Josh Downs comes 49 and a half receiving yards was the number comes in at 43 receiving yards after this guy got like 12 targets yesterday. Um, absolute pain. Derrick Henry higher than 71 and a half receiving or rushing yards. He gets there. And then Kyron higher than 12.85 fantasy points. Talk about a layup there. Um, but man, very razor thin there. Just needed one more Josh Downs catch essentially, uh, to get the 20 X there. We don't hit that. Um, but the 500 win here kind of covered the pick'em entries for the week. Uh, so yeah, a mixed bag. I'm still really loving putting these together. I will drop one in for Monday Night Football uh, in the Hand Builder and Opto Bros channel uh, later this afternoon as well. If you guys want to sweat with me, I had one uh, last night too that I put in the uh, in the channel, and this one was funny because I feel like I kind of nailed the game script. It was a uh, just playing this as a pretty gross game and playing the Chargers passing game, really struggling, went lower on Justin Herbert passing yards, lower on Guyton receptions, had Lamar Jackson lower than two passing TDs. And then the two parts that didn't get there had Gus Edwards higher than 48 and a half rushing yards, was kind of playing the positive game script for the Ravens in the second half. But, you know, Zay Flowers had to steal all the running goodness there. And then this was the funny part of it. Gerald Everett lower than 23 and a half receiving yards. This absolute dust ball, um, who never does anything, just luck boxes a 30-yard catch on the first drive of the game. I mean, this was one of the quickest blades I've ever gotten on a pick'em. 
And if anything, I guess it's kind of, I'm kind of glad he did that on the first play because otherwise sweating out Gus Edwards getting 20 more, whatever uh, rushing yards would have been very painful. But uh, having a ton of fun putting these uh, these pickums here. Travis Petty bragging, I got over 67 and a half uh, Davis receiving yards. There you go. There you go. It is it is tricky. Like I, I'm always waffling back and forth sometimes on the receptions versus the receiving yards uh, with some of those guys there. The Derrick Henry one, we were kind of struggling with yesterday, I remember as well, because some people wanted to do the touchdown. Then we were looking at the fantasy points, and then I ultimately settled on the rushing yards. Just kind of wanted an extra out there uh, if he ran poor on touchdown expectation. Luckily, ended up getting there regardless. Um, got a couple more minutes here before I have to go. Um, if for some reason you're new to the channel, uh, please subscribe. Uh, we do this show every Monday morning. It's a full portfolio review. We do our DraftKings GPP lineups. We do our underdog drafts. And then we do a little stroll through the BBM portfolio. I'm not sure which one of these is updated. Uh, if it's the, uh, the underdog splash page here or our guy, um, PD, Patrick Donovan's site. One of them says I have four teams in the top uh, 10,000, and one of them says I have five teams. So I'm going to say uh, Patrick is wrong and that I actually have five teams um, because I like that narrative better. Uh, refresh this. They ran it for Sunday Night Football. Okay. All right. Then I guess I'm wrong. I guess I don't have five teams. I got to refresh and see the cold, hard truth. Yep, I'm down to four. Damn. I got rugged. I got rugged. Still four teams in the top uh, 10,000 here. Uh, I'm trying to see. I believe most of these lineups here at the top are ones we have looked at. This lineup uh, continues to be one of my top lineups here. The Tua and Dak team here also has Mike Evans on it. Nice turn of events, too, because I've been looking at this lineup, and I'm like, man, this thing could start to cook if Tony Pollard and Josh Jacobs got going. So nice to see both Pollard and Jacobs have nice games here in Week 12. Raheem Mostert obviously having the big game. Even Chuba Hubbard uh, managed to score a touchdown. Pirine scored, too. So got a ton of production this week. This lineup also has Zay Jones getting back in the lineup. Um, has the double stack here uh, without the quarterback of Godwin Evans, and then a pretty good tight end combo there of Hawkinson and uh, Ferguson. Yeah, uh, shout out to Patrick in the chat. Um, I have the link down below. It's uh, bbmdb.com. Just an awesome, awesome site that uh, Patrick has spun up. And like a true dev, this dude is just shipping new features each week. Now has a show hide roster options. So you can kind of go through add some uh, different constraints to see, um, you know, show all my teams with just one quarterback. So I know you could like, you could go through and uh, look at the leaderboard uh, and just see what are the top teams with a single quarterback, uh, which is just super fun for exploring. So we can see drunk on Pappy uh, has the best team with one quarterback in the entire contest. Uh, a Jalen hurts uh, with three tight ends. I mean, this is an absolute fever dream of a lineup, and I kind of like it. Um, I mean, for, from a regular season perspective, I think the thing that was interesting, and it was a talking point uh, throughout the season, is I thought the one elite quarterback stuff was very viable for the regular season prizes. I think you're just going to find yourself in trouble when we get to the playoff gauntlet, and you need to finish one out of 12 and one out of 16 
and then one out of 400 and whatever, where your best case scenario is Jalen Hurts smashing and like 300 of your best friends also have Jalen Hurts as one of their quarterbacks in the finals. And then you have no one else and they have Sam Howell with it. They have CJ Stroud with him. You know, those are the issues you're going to run into. But from a regular season maximization standpoint, using your bullets elsewhere, um, I do think that was viable here. And now you see Drunk on Pappy uh, with 650th overall there. But anyways, I was just, I got distracted. I just wanted to show um, how you can kind of query for some fun things. Like, do we have any five quarterback teams? And if we do, where are they ranked? Um, let's see. Is that not, does that mean there's no uh, five quarterback teams? That's maybe going to guess. Let me see four. Does that mean there's no four quarterback teams or am I now doing it wrong here? Oh, I need to hit refresh leaderboard. Huh. There has to be some four quarterback teams. Oh, I have it at most. Thank you. I'm dumb. Um, let's do at least, uh, let's see if there's any five quarterback teams. All right, we have, there's a one five quarterback team uh, above them all, 2,741st place. Frank won EG, holy cow. This has to be an auto-drafted team, right? Patrick Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, Sam Howell, Desmond Ritter, Aaron Jones, DeAndre Swift, Khalil Herbert, Brian Robinson Jr., Deontay Foreman, Tyreek Hill, DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, Jacoby Myers, Adam Thielen, Rashid Shaheed, George Kittle, and Cole Komet. Uh, I guess the takeaway is if you hit on basically every other pick, you can get away with five QBs. Um, and if you know Kirk Cousins is going to be out for the year and Desmond Ritter is going to get benched, all of a sudden you're down to a triumvirate of Patrick Mahomes, Jared Goff, Sam Howell. Uh, but you hit on Brian Robinson. Uh, DeAndre Swift's been ahead. Aaron Jones, eh. But Khalil Herbert, Foreman, you've gotten some weeks out of those guys. Pretty good wide receivers. Tyreek Hill, Jacoby. I mean, this is really what it comes down to. Like you hit the probably like three of the nut late uh, wide receivers in Jacoby, Adam Thielen, Rashid Shahid, uh, and then George Kittle and Cole Komet, perfectly fine tight end room. All right, was anyone sick enough to do six? All right, the best team with six quarterbacks is in 27,000th place. This guy's in first. Imagine pulling up this pod and you're like, who am I losing to? Well, you're losing to a guy who drafted Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, Bryce Young, Jimmy Garoppolo, CJ Stroud, and Desmond Ritter. Yikes. <laughs> I don't even know if I have the stomach for this. Nez showed teams with three or less wide receivers advancing. How many, if we do it, teams with at least four tight ends, how much Dan Zach are we going to see? Has someone already done this? Where's all the Dan Zach? Where are you, Dan? I don't even remember. What is Dan Zach's username? Is it just his name? Um, all right. I'm getting distracted. I got to go do uh, Sirius XM. Uh, I appreciate you all. Sorry I didn't get to uh, to more of my teams right now. My advanced rate, I think I'm 28 out of 150. I've been hovering in that like 28 to 31 range here. Week 12, kind of uh, a middling week, I think, overall for my portfolio. Uh, appreciate you guys hanging out. Like I said, I'll drop some stuff in the Hand Builder and Opto Bros channel for uh showdown tonight and a pick em entry for Monday Night Football. Also, 
I'm going to make public my DFS After Dark that I did with Coach Speak Index on uh, Saturday night. Really fun interview. Uh, I'm going to make that public. That should go live a little bit later this afternoon. Hope you guys all have a wonderful rest of your Monday. I'll see you around these streets for all of the usual programming this week. Talk to you later.